Welcome back to Love, Life, and Legacy, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate these hypersexualized times of ours. In today's episode, we're doing somewhat of a sequel. It's like a sequel plus, where Benji and I brought up the topic of how to not be creepy around the opposite sex, but now we actually have the opposite sex present to talk about what it's like to be a woman in this world. So it's Benji and myself and Karina and Karina's friend Juyoung. And we get into this. It's a really, really helpful conversation. If you're single and preparing for marriage, if you are married and you want to look at your own history and how to move forward with a little bit more grace and also how to raise kids in the future so that we can get better. Evolution is all about getting better and better and better. So let's evolve together, figure out a way to really master this second realm of heart, this loving brothers and sisters as brothers and sisters without conditions, with just love, just love, just pure love. Let's get into it. Enjoy. Welcome back, everybody. We have some fancy guests with us today because we want to do the second half of a conversation that Benji and I started, which was we brought up the issue of how important it is to have friends of the opposite sex, but we realized that we were just one half the conversation. So we'd love to have the opposite sex actually be represented in this conversation to go a little bit deeper, see what the female perspective is with guy friends. Because I think sometimes guys are needed, but they don't know how to be in the right place at the right time or say the right thing. And also sometimes we can be creepy without even knowing it. So we're going to kind of unpack this and figure out how exactly to make this work because it is the foundation. It's a relationship, second realm of heart, loving your brothers and sisters, you know, as siblings, mastering that as a foundation to then love one person with your whole heart. So we have with us Benji. Hi, Benji. Hi, Andrew. Hi. And we also have, everybody knows, Karina. Welcome back, Karina. Hello, everyone. Great to be here again. And lastly, we have Young, who is Karina's best friend. Just before this talk, they were talking about how much they love each other and how best friends they are. Wow. So welcome, Young. Hello, Andrew. Thank you for the invitation. Yes, awesome. Let's just start with this. Growing up, Karina, Young. Did you have any close guy friends? Personally, I did. At least with the people from the church, we were really close. So there was this big family. They had like six kids and they used to live in in the church. So all the other kids that lived outside would go to church and like meet them and everything. And like we started growing up together. So, yeah, we were pretty close since a very young age. And that's why it was very natural for me to just relate with the opposite gender. And did things change at all? Because you started when you were really little kids. But as you grew up, went through puberty, started noticing that guys and girls are different. Did that change the dynamic of your friendship? Or was it always just like they were your It was very interesting because, like, that was at church, right? So everyone has the same mindset. So it was very natural. But then from elementary school, like the fifth grade, sixth grade, from then I went to this school and it was, of course, with a mixed gender one. Then I started having boy friends. Then they started like talking about, oh, I like this girl, I like the other, or I like him or I like her. So then I was like, hmm, interesting. What is it? That's kind of like the first time I was introduced to the word of liking or... But for me, at least it was a taboo. After that, it became a taboo to talk about feelings or to talk about that, like, oh, I like him or or he's cute or those kind of things. 
Got it. We'll swing back to that. I want to hear from Karina. What about you? Did you have any guy, guy friends growing up? I think until I was five or six, yes. We have like the friends, they were boys and we were basically everyone at the same level and I will fight with them. I was like another, <laughs> another same level. The, the people around my age were boys. So as well, I have girls. They were not so different. I, I don't remember having such a difference between boys and girls when I, we were playing. The only difference was that they would play more video games than I. And since they were... <laughs> too good about it I would get upset I have a, a younger brother so they will be like the same my brother him and another friend will play and at some point they were too good on video games so they will play video games themselves and I will leave because I will always lose and that hurts me <laughs> but otherwise for other kind of games outside games outdoor games were okay but then they left and I didn't have more like at school I never have any friend that they were boys and then at church, I felt like I shouldn't be close to, as we started to learn about the fall and you no know, fell in love and the separation between boy and girls and sister and brothers and interaction. Like I didn't want it to be close with the boys because I was afraid that what they will say. And at school, I was more free with boys. But the problem is like, I will always end up or either they like me or I like them. So never was like a very healthy relationship. So I don't know if I'm super successful in this area <laughs> until like I received the blessing and then I felt so free. Like finally, I was able to have a conversation with a brother without worry about either my own feelings or his own feelings. They were like, okay, finally, I felt like free to having more conversation with the opposite sex, which Got is it. interesting. I don't know if that is a healthy approach, though. Well, so... You both mentioned things changing kind of in your elder years, like when you were in high school and stuff. And then you were getting education about sex, but in a very religious context, the fall, danger, danger, danger. So did that just create a lot of tension and awkwardness? For me, definitely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I don't know anybody who was not pressured by that. At least until at some point of their lives, they were very pressured by that. So do you feel that boys were trying to be your friend and you would just kind of push them away because you didn't know how to handle that? Or did you just kind of made it known that you're not open for business, <laughs> like nobody welcome? I think it makes you self-conscious. If they will not tell you since you are six years old that you can create, like if you have a conversation with a brother, you can create feelings and that's evil. And they always present to you the fact that where that relationship or that conversation or that give and take can take you. So they always like constantly tell you, it can go to this way, it, be careful, it goes to this way. Every time that you have a minute with a brother, the first thing that it comes to your mind is not about good intentions like how to be a brother, it's about does this person have feelings for me? Do I have feelings for him? Is this right? It's like, at least in Latin America, when you get older, like you don't even sit next to each other, right? Like brother and sister sit separate all the time and you're not supposed yeah. to have conversations with brothers. So if, for example, you for some reason ended up sitting next to a brother, the first thing that they go to come up is like emotion, feelings, like butterflies, like, oh my gosh, I'm sitting next to a brother. <laughs> and the brother the same, you know, <laughs> which if you are more used to that, will be like supernatural. Like, oh yeah, uh, hi, hi there. I think uh, that's the thing. I think that they told us like, oh, you have to treat each other as brothers and sisters. 
But then at the same time, they're telling you, oh no, like you cannot be just the two of you in a room or you cannot talk to the boy alone or you cannot play with him just by yourself. So they create you that fear, but then the, at the same time, they're telling you, okay, treat that person as your brother or your sister. So then yeah. it's like the confusion and then it's like, okay, I want to treat him like my brother, but I don't know how to, because I have a younger brother too. And I play with my brother. We watch television together. We listen to music together using the same earphones. We do any of those activities together with my brother, but he's my physical brother, but biological brother. But then why I cannot do the same with the other boys or why when I do it, it's weird. Or then I get the look from people around. So that makes everything more uncomfortable. And of course, it makes you think like, oh, am I doing something wrong? So then you start thinking and overthinking. So very unnatural, kind of mm -hmm. unnatural feeling. Benji, you got any, any questions for these guys? I was just going to comment that I think I'll, this is a big question that comes up for a lot of people. It's really hard. And we're not just talking about teenagehood. We're talking about everyday life. These are things that even to an extent we experience right now as adults and young adults. So to help answer that question, I would tell people, you know, like there's obviously a healthy balance and obviously that we're created and designed to be in relationships and to create familiar relationships and close relationships with people. But oftentimes what happens is we're maybe seeing that relationship or that person of the opposite gender from a maybe an, an unhealthy perspective, maybe even a sexualized perspective. So that's just a, an area that we can be careful for. And I think that's where a lot of the heart like my parents, for example, had the heart to protect because they understood that there is an unhealthy balance. There's an unhealthy perspective that I can develop towards somebody. That's usually based on my own mistakes or my own experience with overindulging in pornography, you know, growing up. So as long as I was steeped in that culture and that environment, there was no way for me to ever look at a woman truly as a sister, right? Or a daughter of God, in other words, or my sister, if at simultaneously I was watching porn or watching not just pornography, but just hypersexualized content or videos or movies or TV shows, right? Instagram becomes more, more challenging to do that. Yeah, to add that, I, I don't think it's all fault of the church, like, as Benji was saying, in terms of even in a school, it's not normal to have a friend that is a boy. They're always asking you, oh, do you like each other? You know, it's like there's always a pressure in society as well that if a man and a woman are talking with each other, they have feelings for each other, right? So sure. I guess it's a fear from the church, but as well the, the push of society of like you're supposed to be in a relationship, you know, or a lot of people doesn't believe in, in friendship for men and women. And I just want to as well comment to, to the point that it is true, this has an impact even now. So for example, for myself, I'm married, but we, I have a situation where I was having a conversation with a brother in a like one-on-one and I started felt super uncomfortable and I didn't know if it was because of my concept or because I was feeling uncomfortable mm, in yeah. the situation. So it is really tricky. I actually, to this day, I'm wondering, like, is this myself because of my fears and the concepts I've been building up before marriage about a men and woman relationship? Or is this a healthy boundary that I'm trying to create, you know? So I don't know personally what it is. So I'm looking forward to discuss it in this podcast and hear about your opinions as well. Yeah, that's really interesting stuff to know. Because a lot of times, honestly speaking, 
it could be a misinterpretation of somebody's like, oh, you're being creepy. But actually, it's just they're afraid of whatever that person is in their head, like big men or whatever the case may be. It doesn't necessarily mean that that person is being creepy. Sometimes they are, but sometimes they're not. And so it's interesting to hear you say that as an introspective person. So I would like to know, okay, well, given the fact that this is your upbringing and you're, I like that point that you said, Karina, that either way, there's pressure. If you're alone with a guy in a religious scenario, then there's pressure to not (laughs) do that because it means something. It means something more than friendship. And then if you're in high school and there's no standards, then if you're alone with a guy, then it means something because then there's pressure to be with that person because clearly you like each other. So you should just be with each other. And so either way, it's actually unnatural pressure. And you're not just allowed to just be with that person as another human being. It's got to mean something. And I can see that too, which is a very interesting perspective. So the fact that you grew up in this scenario, and then there's clear pressure to live by a certain standard, but you're also human. So you have feelings like, how do you navigate those feelings? You feel something for somebody. How do you sort through what that means or what to do with those feelings growing up? In my case, when I was young, because I used to watch Disney movies and everything is so romantic and so cute and so beautiful and everything. Obviously, like when you're a kid, you're like, oh, I want I want the same because you're seeing the princess and you want to become that princess, right? So I used to be the one who could, I don't like calling it falling in love easily, but then I had kind of like a crush on people easily because of that also because like oh there's this guy and he gave me that apple (gasps) (laughs) if it's a disney movie don't eat the apple (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) not apples (laughs) (laughs) so i had those times and i don't know how but i ended up talking about that with my dad and when i was a little bit older maybe 13 14 years old and he told me that He was like, yeah, having feelings for someone is very normal. That's totally normal because that's what you're supposed to feel. That's your physical instincts. That those are your instincts and they're natural. They're normal. It's supposed to happen. It's okay. But it's also normal to know how to control them because you feel them doesn't mean that you have to just follow your heart and do all the things that that emotion is telling you to do. But it's also normal to control those feelings and know what you really want. So I think in that point, it's very important to also know yourself and thinking like, what do I want for my future? Or what kind of person do I want to be in the future? And maybe having that purpose helps you to control those kind of situations in the process. What does that look like when you're saying control your feelings? Let's say some boy gives you a nice big apple and you're totally in love with him. And then you see him the next day and you're like, I'm going to control my feelings. Like, what does that look like? How do you do that? I mean, if I have a crush on him, I won't accept the apple. Or like, if I do, I'll be thankful. And I'm like, okay, thank you so much. But I'll try to avoid you as much as I can. (laughs) But because like, I mean, we're humans also. And the instincts might be very strong also. And I don't know how I'm going to react in front of that. So I just prefer not involving myself with that person, just one-on-one situations. But I'll try to do like in a group. In a group, it's okay. Three, four, five people. And then we're just chilling and hanging out and talking. And that's okay. But then when it becomes one-on-one situation, I don't know how I will react in front of any situation that can happen is a risk situation so I just prefer to avoid that and just if I have a crush on that person it's okay it's normal but then I'll meet that person in a group but I won't really go one-in-one situation 
But if I don't have a crush on that person and that person gives me that, I'll receive how many apples he wants to give me. <laughs> I'm like, thank you. I, I eat this apple and yeah, take the house. But I think it's maybe knowing also the purpose and the intentions, maybe not making up a story in your head of like, oh, maybe he's giving me this apple because he likes me. Instead of thinking that, it's like, oh, he's a nice brother and he wants to share his apple. Thank you. And that's it. I feel like guys never get apples, by the way. That seems like such a one-way gift. Or Benji, did any woman ever give you an apple in your whole life? Has your wife even given you an apple before? No. no <laughs> apples, no flowers, no flowers. Yeah, it's so one-sided. What about you, Karina? Because you also mentioned feelings. You're having a feelings fest over there in Uruguay, just feelings all the time for everybody. How'd you cope with it? So I have funny stories of me trying to cope with these feelings. First, trying to explain the fall to a guy and so <laughs> he can understand why I would not not gonna date with him. So I remember this conversation very seriously. I was trying like, I like you, but the Lucifer tried to <laughs> 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 and How he, does that go? The ball, <laughs> he was like, I don't understand anything that you're saying, <laughs> but I'm happy that you like me back. That's the only thing that he heard. <laughs> It didn't work out so well. Then I needed to do a really big commitment of like, okay, sorry, we're not talking anymore. So I think like they're giving the decision or distance, distance yourself from that person. And yeah, you can recover that relationship as a friendship whenever those feelings go away. So that has happened. Like uh, I may have a feeling for someone. It gives some months of just done interaction with that person and not entertaining certain thoughts in my mind. And then naturally we can come back to a more brother and sister relationship. But you have to give them the time for those to go away. Can I ask if when you take space, when you make space between somebody and then you see them later, a few months later, have those feelings just disappeared or do they return or how does that work? No, always depending. If it's in another country, that's perfect. Because if you pass a couple of years and <laughs> then you come back and if it comes back, you just keep a little bit more distance. You have to work. You have to decide, right? First of all, I guess you need to admit that you have those feelings and then decide that what to do with those. I make a conscious decision of what I'm going to do with it. If you just leave it there, your tendency, natural tendency is to get closer and closer. So. Definitely, you're going to need to make a decision. And the hardest part is like you think you have to explain yourself or you have to explain it to that person why you're going to take some distance. So I think that's the harder, tricky part of navigate how you, if you create a certain relationship with a person and then you need to distance yourself. I guess a mature person will be easier to explain or just to say like, hey, I need some distance from you. That's okay. But when you are like teenager, you get so worried about what people are going to think about you and what you are going to think about them and you're self-conscious. So as long as you get older, it's get easier to just accept that. Yeah, you just become a little bit more self-assured. Your values yeah. are stronger. Benji, anything? You got anything? Yes, I do. Andrew, I want to hear from you too about this, <laughs> this question. <laughs> so I want to share just a brief story about someone I'm talking with right now who is in an engagement matching process 
or wants to get matched and receive the blessing and get married. And he is in a situation where he has somebody in mind that he is attracted to, you know, quote unquote, has emotional attachment to. And so after kind of doing some work with him, he's really, really a solid guy, really good person, very high standard, a high noon living individual has his sexual integrity in check. So all the boxes are checked for this guy. And he's really struggling. Like, do I approach this family this and start a matching process, communication with? And what I realized from him is that there's a big difference between infatuation and genuine attraction. And what I mean by that is that infatuation being like you see a cool car on the street and you just want it immediately, despite how expensive or even if it's a good car, if it runs properly, but it looks awesome. And a general attraction, you know, that's like an example, like attraction, infatuation being based on things that are rather superficial or temporary or things that are maybe they're popular or they're attractive, you know, societally speaking, superficially attractive, or they are cool or whatever. But genuine attraction being more of a learned skill about how do you identify the genuine attractive natures and qualities of an individual despite their looks. And this is something that I think is crucial in selecting a spouse, which is ultimately the reason we have, like Julian's dad said, the reason we have these feelings is for you know mate selection, essentially. So it's a natural thing. I think it's a learned skill to know how to identify attractive qualities in every individual, irregardless of what they might look like externally or how tall they are or what color skin their you know, skin is or what language they speak or things like that or how old they are. So I really challenge this guy that I'm talking with to really try to identify in mate selection the real genuine things about them that are unique, that are God-given, that you can see are just truly like, will this person's qualities help me as an individual in a marriage, in a relationship? Would it help us to grow together, to expand our capacity to love each other and to love God and love the world and raise children? I think it's a really important distinction. So in sharing my experience, I actually, when I was a younger teenage teenager, even now, actually, honestly, when I had attraction or to people that were really beautiful or, you know, like lots of makeup and like the popular girls, I would always try to kind of wean those attractions and identify that, that I had kind of misconceptions based on what I thought was beautiful. And I would try to instead look for qualities in all sisters and brothers, everyone that are actually attractive, like their God given attraction. And that was kind of a practice. But I can say honestly, now, like when I look at women, I can look at people, you know, women and see something attractive about them that really sticks out. And I find those people the most attractive, like the people that really live into their unique qualities and the people that don't fall into boxed standard, societal standard of what beauty is, you know, even if I go to the gym, and you know, there's like really attractive people there, like men and women, I like, honestly, I'm kind of grossed out by people that are like way too over the top attractive and like looking in the mirror and taking pictures of themselves. And you know, those people with like the yoga pants, it's kind of like, at this point, it's a little gross, you know, <laughs> because I can kind of see like, that's not who they truly are. Does that make sense? Of course, it's beauty. It is beauty. It's external beauty. God made us on his image externally and internally. But I'm really trying to look for what's really beautiful about a person, like their character, like how patient they are or how loving they are, how caring they are. And I know this sounds very like fluffy and, and uh, <laughs> sappy, but I think that's really important, especially when you're dealing with infatuation as opposed to an attraction is identify it as that, maybe wait a few months before you even consider a relationship or you take any action on it, give it some time and just try to internalize and recognize that. 
But that's honestly like I can say that's a practice that I did when I was younger is I tried to distinct and make sure like I was looking at people from a real genuine attraction perspective as opposed to just body parts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a conversation with a young guy yesterday who's also preparing for somebody else. And it was more like pillars, like what pillars can you really build a relationship with? And like, look for those. Because all the other stuff just gets real boring real quick, you know, like how cool they are, how cool they walk, all these things that we kind of write a story about that person and fall in love with, it all fades away very quickly and they become annoying very quickly (laughs) because that's not who they are. That's just who you're making them out to be. So yeah, that's very cool. Thank you, Benji. There was something like what Benji said about infatuation. When I said that I used to have easily crushes on people. But they easily also faded away because I think just right as he's saying, I don't know if for me, when I keep it inside of me and I keep like having thought with it and giving an action of give and take with this feeling and with this thought, then it starts getting bigger and bigger and starts to grow. And then I just made up my mind with many things. But then when I started, like, you know, I had this friend and I used to be like, oh my God, he's so cute. And then she would be like, oh yeah, he is. And I'm like, oh yeah. Blah, blah, blah. But then like, we would just talk about it. And then, okay, I don't have anything else to have that action of give and take with that thought. I just said it and it's gone and that's it. And I don't think it's bad to see somebody that is very attractive and has nice hair, nice eyes. And I don't think there's a problem of saying like, oh, he's very cool or she's very pretty or like, because it's true and we have eyes and with those eyes, we see the beauty of the creation. So like there's many people who are like that and I don't think there's a problem of admitting that. It just fades away. It's like you say it and yeah, that's it. Yeah, absolutely. Letting it be a true statement, but not making it mean anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, telling a story about it. Yeah, that's all fantasy. Yeah, cool. Thank you. I wanted to know also, because Young, you brought it up, no sitting next to the opposite sex, you know, this kind of regimented, which kind of leads to some sort of a starvation. You're like, you're starving naturally. You want to touch people, friends, family. It's like, it's a need. It's not a want, it's a need. But that's a dicey topic of like, when is touch okay? Hugging, high five. How many high fives are too many before you're almost like holding hands? And like, you see people who are starved, kind of like, I know guys who are really starved for attention. They could even be married, but they're in a kind of a dysfunctional relationship or it's just a bad time in their relationship. And a woman could kind of like, just kind of brush, brush their shoulder and all of a sudden their heart is pounding and it means something again because they're so starved for basic human contact. So growing up, was that ever an issue? And the question really is like, what are healthy boundaries and how much touch is too much? How much is enough? Because like you said, Young, like, I mean, if you liked your brother, I don't know if you guys had a good relationship, but you'd probably hug every now and again. It's not a weird thing to hug your brother. Nobody's like, oh, don't, don't hug your brother. Because that's weird to be weirded out by siblings showing affection to each other. But somehow, if they're not biologically connected to you, it's weird. So growing up, yeah, did you guys ever run into that? Did you ever find yourselves touching too much or being starved for touch? Or how did you deal with that? I used to go to a private school. And it was Christian private school, Adventist. And I was with the best your friends, all girls who never have a boyfriend, never kiss, and they were so pure. And I passed from that to military high school where nobody believed on God and 
everyone inside was like parties and relationships and maybe I can count with my hands with my fingers how many people were still virgin so <laughs> everyone was already in another stage so it was a really jump for me and I remember like guys will come and hug me there they will touch they were very more touchy at the other school so I remember that we, we for that touch based on that touch I started to generate more feelings in terms of like wow this feels good but I'm worried but I'm nervous and I didn't know what to do with that you know it's like I couldn't say no to people I didn't, I didn't know how to say boundaries either but at the same time it felt good because probably there was that hunger right that I wanted to receive that kind of like love and attention so I didn't push myself too much to stop it either but at the same time I just create the stories on my mind as well based on that so what is too much? What is like, after that, I went to the opposite. I never touch anyone else, never let myself to be touched. And it didn't impact my marriage either. Even like, for example, my brother's wife, she never touched any brother, not even like hands. She's Japanese and she make a promise she will not touch any men until she goes flat it's like until she's much so she will not even shake hands with single men so they will come to her and they will like have distance and they have a very full testimony where they the commitment ceremony and they start to hold hands you know and my brother realized that she was very caring and very touchy with him so I was like, he asked her, isn't it weird? You never allowed to be touched by brothers. It's not weird for you to touch me now. And she say, it's not that I didn't want to touch. I just want to touch the right person. So I was protecting this experience to experience it first with you. And yeah, it's like, I don't know if they're connected. I wonder. I don't know because... Yes, there's a hunger, but that hunger comes more from a lack of love than for a really need of be touch. And then when you are with the right person, you can offer like be touch and touch as much as you want and it feels good. So I honestly don't know. I'm just sharing what I heard and what were my experience about it, but I don't know what is the answer. But you're blessed now, like you're married, you have a man, you have a manly man, you have a Robert. And you obviously touch. I've seen you hold hands. I have evidence, my own mm -hmm. eyes. But are you okay with hugging another guy? Like a coworker, say Benji, <laughs> when you haven't seen him for a while, like you're at a staff retreat and you hug him. Is that okay? Yeah, I think it feels nice when I think hug, hugging as long as the intentions are very honest. I'm currently working on high noon. I'm around for others almost all the time and I'm creating a healthy relationship with you guys. And I think it's okay, but I don't have the need to be hugging all the time just to say hi and to say goodbyes <laughs> once in a year when we do a retreat, right? So <laughs> what about you, Andrew? What do you think? about yeah about anything. touch i like touch i was somebody i can't remember who but there was an older woman who's really touching me a lot the other day <laughs> but it was like so maternal and so like putting their hand on my back and like it was completely like my wife was around it was very natural but it felt very very nice because i live really far apart from my own mother so but this is an elder woman and you know motivation is really important especially when you have like here with High Noon, people tell us a lot of information. I've been 
the situation where a young lady has told me very personal information. And I have to, in that moment, I have to realize that I'm not me. I am a representative of something else. Something that I realized is that whenever somebody likes you or they think they like you, it's not you. It's what you represent to them in that moment. And especially leadership. If you can imagine right now, the governor of New York is resigning over 12 allegations of sexual misconduct, of sexual assault. And how common, like we're just like, we almost expect it at this point because people abuse their power. But in reality, it's not even them. It's their position. And teachers and students, this whole thing. So I've always been very careful in that respect. Like when I was a pastor dealing with a lot of people, because they're very vulnerable. People come to you when they're vulnerable. And that's when, from a predatory standpoint, they're easy to take advantage of. And so there's some churches that I think Billy Graham, he had one of the biggest churches. He had a policy. You can never have a man and a woman alone. Doesn't matter who, doesn't matter what, when, when alone in a room ever, because that's just a recipe for disaster. Somehow intuitively knew it. And it sounds so ridiculous. And I tried to maintain that. There were situations where I'd end up with people alone, but I just really try, if I am, and I notice, like say a woman's coming to me and she wants to tell me something that I'm just very cautious where my eyes are, where my mind is, and that I don't like, it's like, you're walking a fine line. You're walking a fine line because it's, you're representing something to them. And also, you know, we have different genetics. We have different spiritual kind of influences. There's all sorts of different factors. Just like, just don't, nothing, nothing. Just like that person and their needs. And really like seeing beyond the fact that they're even a woman, that that's, that's the only way that I've survived. Because I've been in situations where there's, if I wasn't careful, things could have gotten weird very quickly. Even if nothing happened, I could have said something with the wrong motivation or whatever, and it could have just ruined my whole life. Right. So I think as a guy, that's great practice that I didn't have growing up, but that I learned in my late 20s. And then that was preparation for when I was married, which is how to be fully asexual in front of a woman, (laughs) which is like, I'm not a guy. I'm just a human and you're just a human and how to really like feel that. And that if your mind wanders anywhere, you pull it back, just bring it back. Human. Oh, no, 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 no. That's how I've trained myself and it's worked well so far. But yeah, in terms of touching, I just talked to a young lady the other day. It was at church. For me, it's the context is important, like you said, and it's also your motivation, their motivation. If I notice somebody's being flirty, then I'll just kind of a little bit cold with them. I don't know if I told you this in the last episode, Benji, but like there's a guy that I knew that if he felt like a girl was attracted to him, then he would make sure to fart in front of her just so that she'd be really grossed out. to kind of like kill the spell, you know, to break the spell. And I, I don't do that because I can't fart on command. And I don't know if I would have the guts to do that, to be honest. But I definitely will be a little bit standoffish if I feel like somebody is assuming something about me, you know, and just, and I don't like doing that because I'm a people pleaser. So it kind of hurts to not make somebody happy. But if I realize it's for my own well-being and my family's well-being, then I'll just kind of act like a little bit of a weenie, like an a-hole, you know, <laughs> just, Again, because there's a spell. To me, it's a magnetism. And you've all felt it. Everybody's listening. Everybody on this call, we've all been locked in that tractor beam of like, you're being pulled in to somebody. And in order to make sure that that doesn't happen, you have to be in control of yourself. And if you feel yourself getting pulled in, you have to break that magnetic attraction with absolute confidence, whatever you have to do, because that'll destroy you. Because that's when you've lost control. That's what, you know, like couples end up kissing or doing whatever with other people because they're just trapped in this magnetic field. So that's me. But I was wondering, Karina, because you mentioned this a little bit before. Ju Young, are you blessed? Are you married? 
Yes, I'm recently blessed. Congratulations. So then this applies to both of you. How does that work when you have a loved one in your life? How do you deal with feelings? How do you deal with the opposite sex? Has that changed? Has your strategy changed? Or is it just easier because you're fulfilled because your husband's take such great care of you? So for me, I start to feel, <laughs> I feel so liberated after being blessed in the relationship with the brothers. I guess like I felt like my intentions and the intentions of people were clear from the beginning. Since they know so I had two rings in my finger and they know I'm happily married. That doesn't clean up all the possibilities because there are people who doesn't care. I haven't been in a place where there, I'm with someone who doesn't care that I'm married. But otherwise, it is great. I'm going through the challenge that I... No challenge, but I am more afraid of getting feeling for someone else right now because I know the consequences can be even more terrible now that they were when I was single, right? So I'm very scared, but I know that I should not be scared because I trust on myself and I trust in the love we have with each other. But there is something from my past that I still don't trust on myself. So that's why that fear comes from. And I'm trying to work on that because it is not even healthy for our relationship that I'm scared of myself constantly. Before you were saying that, you know, feelings are natural. So that's a great question for if these feelings are natural. Is it safe to assume that they're eventually going to rise? Possibly. It's just what you do with them. Same as when you're single, young, growing up, that you might end up with feelings for somebody else. I guess so. Since I'm very new on marriage, it feels like so heavy of that even like that possibility feels really heavy. So currently I, I know that they will come up at some point. So I want to have a healthier approach when that comes. But currently I'm so afraid of that. It's like if that happens to me, I'm so afraid of like, because I probably will feel super guilty. So yeah, it is it's supposed to be natural, right? And they probably, you that have been Benji and, and Andrew, you're probably going to tell me like being married for so many years that at some point they come up, right? But I'm currently super afraid of them. So, and it's something that I, yeah, it comes from my experience from the past and for the worry of like breaking and losing my marriage for that. So yeah, otherwise... It's been, I think like when things are clear, it's really nice with the brothers and sisters, but I'm half afraid of that fear inside my, me. Thank you. What about you, Young? Honestly, I never thought about that before. It was easy for me to have a crush on someone before, but there was a point where it didn't matter anymore. It wasn't a crush anymore. So like I kind of got used to that and I never really had feelings, strong feelings for anybody else. Even though I had many male friends, it was very natural for me. So I never had in my head as a possibility for me to have feelings for somebody else after marriage. Not even a single. I had very strong feelings for anybody. So I don't think there's going to be anything stronger that I'm feeling now for my spouse. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And it's, well, since it is kind of, you know, you're in the, the spring of your marriages, it's like you haven't been through a lot of the stuff that comes with marriage, right? The challenges and whatever. But it's the same principle applies that the reason things can go away, feelings can go away so fast because you don't feed them. Your time and attention, your energy that grows them and makes them, again, mean something. And it's just when you're vulnerable, when you're fighting, when your spouse is so annoying and you just don't know why they're so annoying that 
And then somebody else says, oh, you're so beautiful. And then you're like, if in that moment, if you choose to just cut that off and invest back into your marriage, then you'll be fine every single time. But mm-hmm. if you kind of unplug that energy and then plug it into some fantasy of somebody else, then that's when things become problematic. I think like the moment you start having an action of take and receive with that person or with that feeling or with that thought, then is when you start creating the base, when you let all these things to happen. But exactly. if you have the purpose, you know, if you know that you're blessed and you know that the where you want to go together, even though you're fighting, I think if you're clear with that, I think yeah. it would be easier for you to overcome those kind of situations. I said it as a recently blessed without going through any challenges yet, but that's at least how I think and I hope it can be in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And even though you're kind of both relatively newly blessed, you're not without a foundation. You've already built this foundation. That's the whole idea. And that's why we're doing this podcast is to help people, especially who are still single, to understand that that is your victory is doing all this work ahead of time so that you can kind of, in a sense, know how things are going to pan out when you're blessed because you know how to cut off that feeling if you don't want it. You don't just kind of go along this way and that way, depending on where your heart or your genitals are taking you, right? You can kind of operate from a higher dimension. So I think we're kind of at that point. Do you guys have anything that you'd like to say that you felt was unsaid on this topic? Any one of you? Oh, I guess I would like to hear like uh, Benji and and you and your perspective about this last question, since you are the ones who have been married for the longest. So I will lovely hear That's about it. One, yeah. Sure, I can share briefly. For me, it's really like you guys are saying, it's about how I'm feeling in the day to day. So if I'm feeling really connected with my wife, then there's no void to fill. There's no need to go outside of my bubble, my environment. But there are times where I do feel low in our relationship, where I do feel tension or we do feel disconnected for days or weeks sometimes. And during those times, I can feel the ground under me shifting. I can feel the slippery slope coming. And like when I go to the gym, I can begin to notice women more or (laughs) begin to, you know, you can tell. So for me, it's not like an on or off. It's just like a scale of how connected I am feeling and how full I'm feeling. So like the whole touch thing is, you know, if I'm feeling, so the situation I'm in, I'm in a huge pickle because I love touching people. If you're with me, if we were here right now, I'd be touching you guys. Maybe. Well, not not all of you, but <laughs> but Andrew, at least, you know, I love like just being aggressive and intimate with people. So that's how I grew up from my parents, you know, within our family, with other families, friends of mine. And then when I got blessed, I married into a family that touch was like the bottom of the priority list in terms of things to do on day to day. It's like, you know, my wife is not interested in touch at all. So I was in a huge pickle beginning of our relationship because all I wanted to do was touch her all day. And she's just was like, this is really foreign to me. I don't know. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable. You know, of course, we've 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 grown through this process. I've struggled a lot over the last 11 years of being married with, with her. But in the end, it's like we make it work. And I have turned lemon lemons into lemonade. Like I just touch her, you know, like even if she does, even if she doesn't want me to, I'll just like grab her, grab her butt. I'm just like, hey, good morning. And she's like, stop. And I'm like, I don't care. You know, <laughs> of course, lovingly, right? There are certain times where she's just like, okay, I'm not feeling it, you know, I'm not feeling the touch thing. So I'll just leave her be. But most of the time she's, you know, I could just get my fill of physical affection, you know, just by hugging her in the morning or sleeping next to her, touching while he's while she's sleeping. I do that a lot. Um, <laughs> this is not painting a very good picture. I know. <laughs> I don't care. I just do it, man. That's our relationship. You know, I, I that's how I am. So I'm just going to go for it. And I and I resisted that for so long because I would want to be like the polite. Oh, you know, is it okay? I was like, oh, whatever. 
you know, I don't care. She's fine with it. Also, my kids, you know, really like aggressively touch touchy with them too, which they, you know, they they're that's how they grew up, so they're okay with it. Anywho, I'm gonna get comments saying that I'm <laughs> abuse. Yeah, you can ask my wife. Go ahead, talk to her about it. Well, it is very true that like the way that you you said it is like when you go to the gym, there are no women until you're struggling with your wife, and then they magically appear out of nowhere, and you yeah. notice them. And I think that I, I definitely have had this conversation many times with my wife that I'll come to her and I'll say, honey, I just feel like we're struggling right now. And I'm, I'm really looking at a lot of women right now. Like I'm, I'm noticing them and I don't want to, I want to give that to you, but I just feel like there's no way for me to do that. And I'm going elsewhere. And like, so I always report to her and she always laughs in my face when I tell her this, because it just sounds like such a needy little boy, but it's definitely a real thing is that you need love and attention. We all do. And then if you're not getting in a natural way, your scanners start looking for alternative options. And so very observant of this and I know what to do, but it still is like this reaction that I have. And so in order to course correct and come back to where I need to, it's always talking and reporting to my wife and then just, Mm. because it is when you're really connected with somebody, then it's just like, it's her and then it's everybody else. And they're all just like, yeah, you're cool, but you're not her. But then when you're fighting, then everybody else starts to kind of just, take a little bit more shape and you notice a little bit more here and there and you're like, ah, you know, and it's completely from a place of deprivation. I'm deprived of my needs. So it's not anybody else's fault. And so that's why I don't want to be a creep. The other thing that I try to tell guys is when you're looking at a woman and you're objectifying them, try as hard as you can to imagine what your face looks like in that moment, because most likely it's horrifying and you look like a creepy guy from a movie like a murderer or something like you don't want that look so just don't be that guy like so typically but you know we're men are very visually stimulated so it's hard not to observe people but the difference is when you are you can see a woman who's absolutely externally beautiful but make nothing of it because you're so filled up that's the difference and otherwise if you're not if you're needy then again you start feeding that and making that mean something so that's kind of my technique so it's like, it's, you got to play the long game because just talking about it, like if those feelings do come up, just telling them, it gets diffused very, when the you're like, when you have feelings for somebody, it's completely make-believe. And then when you actually talk to a, a human about it, especially your husband, then things get very on the ground and very like gravity comes back. And you're like, oh my God, there's like consequences. And there's like all this stuff that I wasn't thinking about in my stupid little fantasy, right? So that's always a failsafe. And it's like the idea of reporting and like connecting to somebody real, that really, really helps. And then it just makes those feelings seem so ridiculous. Like every time I've reported to my wife, I just feel like, oh, I'm just being <laughs> such a little baby right now. That's so humiliating. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But it's true. Uh, like when you have them in your mind, they're so big. It's such a big deal when it's in your mind. But when you actually listen yourself talking about those those thoughts, it, it yeah. becomes so small that you're like, oh my God, I, I, I cannot believe that I'm really worrying about this or yeah. something. So I, I really admire that of, of you telling your wife about those kind of situations that they're possible. And that's something that I also want to do in the future if it happens with my husband. And that's something that I've told him, like, if it ever happens, <laughs> then please tell me and let's work it out together as a couple, as a team that we are. So I, I really admire that part of like talking about it. Yeah, I felt kind of bad bringing this up because I feel like I planted a seed like Karina started being filled with fear. No, <laughs> Don't worry, no worries, no worries. It's all good. You guys have the foundation, remember. 
any last words? We're going to wrap this up soon. This is getting, we're kind of at time here. Banger has something to say. No, I just want to say thank you, everyone, for listening in. And hopefully it's helpful oh. to everyone. I thought you were raising your hand. You don't wave on a podcast. They can't see your hand, Benji. What about Karina? Too young. Anything? I just thank you, everyone. That was a great topic. I want to hear your comments as well. If you have any comment, we really lovely if you put it somewhere, you send it to us, you write it on Facebook and share the podcast with someone else as well. So yeah, I, I'm looking forward to hear from you as well. Yes, it's a very interesting topic to talk about. There's so many perspectives, different perspectives. So I'm really grateful also to be able to share my thoughts and hear other people's thoughts about these. And I think dialogue always makes better. It helps Sweet. you learn also. So I think it was a very, very, very nice time. And yes, I hope it can create more dialogue in the comments. So yeah, I will be looking forward for that too. As Sammy would say, amazing. All right, everybody, thank you for listening. Yeah, we love to hear from you. Let us know if you have any questions or if you have any topics you want us to tackle. We have the Marvel All-Stars. We're like the Avengers of sexuality and we will conquer any topic. Just let us know. And thank you for listening. Adios. Hello, everybody. Andrew Love here for one last announcement. And that is, I encourage you to join our newsletter. We don't spam people. We give you the goods. We give you good quality information once a week in your email. And so we send out newsletters probably Saturdays mid-morning on average. And these are filled with blogs, the latest content, everything you need to know in order to get through your week with high noon light. So let us light up your inbox. Join our newsletter by going to highnoon.org. It's all right there. It's super easy. We won't spam you. We just want to let you stay connected to this High Noon Providence. So go to highnoon.org and sign up for our newsletter.